Bienvenidos and welcome to Puentes, the podcast dedicated to exploring the diverse and dynamic world of primary care in the state of New Mexico. I'm Mario Losal. In 2023, the U.S. saw a rise in union-sponsored walkouts, echoing through various industries and highlighting the crucial role of collective action in advocating for workers' rights in better conditions. One such event was the Resident Physician Unity Break at the University of New Mexico Hospital in October of 2023. The event brought together healthcare professionals and supporters to stand in solidarity for improved working conditions, fair compensation, and the overall betterment of healthcare delivery. Although local, the Unity Break was part of a broader national narrative underscoring the importance of unity and collective voice for workers in the healthcare profession. Central to the organization of this event was the Committee of Interns and Residents, a dedicated group that champions the rights and needs of residents, physicians, and interns nationwide. On today's episode, we're thrilled to welcome a key figure from this organization, Dr. Alexandra Nineman. Serving as the New Mexico Regional Vice President for the CIR-SEIU, Dr. Nineman has been a pivotal force in driving positive change and advocating for residents and interns in New Mexico. So let's join Puentes host Dr. Mac Bowen and Dr. Nineman for a fascinating conversation that explores the impactful work of the Committee of Interns and Residents, as well as Dr. Nineman's own insights and experiences. This is Puentes. Thank you, Mario. I wanted to uh, formally welcome Dr. Ninman to our podcast. Thank you. Um, Dr. Ninman, why don't you introduce yourself for the listeners, um, a little bit about your background and, and what you're currently doing. Absolutely. Thank you for having me um, and for that wonderful introduction. My name is Alexandra Ninman. Uh, I was born in California, but called Taos a home. It's where my parents currently live and where I graduated from high school. Um, I left New Mexico for training, but came back for residency, um, which I completed at UNM in the Department of Family and Community Medicine. Uh, graduated from that program in 2023, this past year, and I'm completing an addiction fellowship also with the Department of Family and Community Medicine at UNM, um, which I have six months left of. Um, oh, during my time, I know, woo. Uh, <laughs> during my time as a resident, um, I was involved and continue to be involved with the Committee of Interns and Residents, uh, which is a national union um, that we have a chapter of at UNM. Uh, at UNM, we represent, it's just shy of 700 residents and fellows um, currently. Uh, and we work on all sorts of issues related to our employment, our working conditions, and also patient care um, at the university. That's awesome. And we're so lucky that you came back to UNM for uh, key elements of your training. Can you can you speak a little bit more about, was that always the game plan? Um, you know, what was nice about training outside the state and um, why did you en end up doing residency back here? Yeah. Um, well, when I left New Mexico, I was, I was pretty eager to just see other parts of the world. Um, I actually did my bachelor's degree in environmental studies, so mm. actually wasn't going to do medicine. Um, but after a couple of years of working in environmental education, um, felt like medicine was, was really where I wanted to be. So worked, uh, to get some classes done and then ultimately did medical school in Oregon, which is where I had been for undergrad in the years following. Um, I knew pretty early on that I wanted to do family medicine and primary care. Um, and so when I started looking at the various programs, uh, 
UNM and, and New Mexico as a whole seemed like a pretty excellent state to get that training. And I was pretty ready to be back with my family and and back in the land of enchantment. So uh, I don't think it was intentional per se, but I was very happy that that's how it worked out. And I very much intend to stay in New Mexico uh, once all of my training is over. We're very happy it worked out that way too. Um, speak a little bit about why primary care and how you knew you were a family medicine person. Yeah. So I think my first real interest in medicine came when my father was in a motorcycle accident. Hmm. I was in like eighth grade, wow. broke his back, broke his ankle, broke his foot, um, hmm. his face. He was a self-employed carpenter. And so the accident was pretty impactful for us as a family. And though it was really trying, it was also very miraculous, uh, his recovery. And I was just really grateful for everybody who made that happen, including all of the medical professionals, you know, nursing and physician and otherwise uh, that, you know, essentially put him back together. So when I, you know, left for school, I thought about medicine, but then kind of realized there were so many other things to explore and ultimately landed on environmental science, which I think a lot of people don't really see the connection. But for me, um, has always been there. You know, I think our environments, right, the the places and spaces in which we exist have a huge impact on our health. Absolutely. So for me, the transition from environmental science to medicine um, felt very natural. And I think primary care is one of the places in medicine that truly understands that. Uh, so it just felt, you know, very much in line with my perspective on on people and places and how those two are very, you know, intertwined. Uh, and I love it. I love, you know, the, the longitudinal relationships. I love getting to see people in different phases of their lives. I love getting to know their families and the people that impact who they are and how they exist. Uh, and I think primary care is really amazing and and letting me be a part of that. That's wonderful. I appreciate your background and perspective because I do think that holistic lens is something I love hearing what draws people to medicine and what an incredible formative experience, but also um, definitely see that environmental studies and that holistic lens of health is an absolutely natural funnel to uh, a career in medicine and, and for primary care specifically. So. Well, stay tuned for environmental health and connection to uh, primary care. We'll do that <laughs> podcast 2.0, but uh, stay tuned. Um, wonderful. So um, let's get into your work uh, with the union. So as the regional vice president of the CIRSEIU, can you share with our listeners what the role entails, um, how you got involved, and how it's kind of unfolded over your career? Yeah. So when I got to UNM, I uh, was very fortunate. Several of the upper level, like more senior residents were very involved with the union. Uh, one of our alumni, Darshan Patel, uh, was this, the active president, national president of CIR when I was an intern. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So so this the chapter at UNM um, has been around for a while. I think we were formally established in like 2009. Wow. Um, what a cool and, legacy. I didn't, I wasn't aware. Yeah. And, um, and has always had a very kind of strong presence, um, within the organization. 
Um, you know, both of my parents are, you know, working class. My mom works at a bank. My dad, like I said, is a self-employed carpenter. So I think labor, that kind of labor perspective and the impact um, of being an employee and like understanding how workplaces impact you has always been uh, there. So for me, it was kind of a no-brainer to be mm. a part of the union um, and to get to help influence the conditions for me and also my peers going through training. Um, I initially served as a delegate, uh, so I was you know, kind of voted, voted to be like a representative at the local level for the union. Uh, peripherally was involved in some of the bargaining that we've done over the years uh, and then other aspects of just the local chapter management. And then um, kind of serendipitously, I guess, we had an outgoing regional vice president who graduated from her training here. And so her spot was open and decided I wanted to give it a try um, and have been serving in, in the RVP role now for uh, two and a half years. So and how many regions do they have? Oh, that's a great question. I don't actually know. Um, but we, so I represent New Mexico. There's a North, North California, South California, New York private, New York public, wow. Florida. Um, we're now starting to have more in kind, kind of the like Midwest region. Uh, Washington is now part of our art organization. So we've really expanded um, and I'm sorry, I don't know the, the number off the top of my head, but it's it's a fairly um, large group. We represent 30,000 residents across the country. Man, yeah. Um, yeah. And so as the regional vice president, uh, I've remained fairly active in, in things happening locally, but I also get to sit on the national executive committee uh, to help represent UNM at that level. Uh, and also to help kind of drive the future of the organization and and the decisions that we're making there. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, so cool to hear that it, it's a growing movement and um, more and more programs are are joining up. Um, now, uh, in October, as Mario mentioned, uh, was the unity break. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what what went into? planning and executing that event and um, just lead us up to that, that work. Yeah. So every state is kind of different in how um, labor laws play out in New Mexico as public employees, which we are as residents at UNM, mm -hmm. uh, we have to negotiate our salary every year, um, which is kind of wild. Um, a lot of other places, it's not it's not that frequent, um, but it, it, in New Mexico, that's how it works. So every year um, we put together a committee and that committee um, meets with leadership to negotiate our salary. Um, every two years, we have the opportunity to extend, to bargain more extensively. Mm -hmm. um, and this year is one of those years. So not only are we bargaining over salary, like we do every year, but we're also looking at the larger contract um, that kind of governs our working conditions. So vacation, parental leave, meal funds, education stipends, um, you know, facilities, really, really everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, call rooms, you know, bulletin boards, just like everything. Yeah. It's, it's a much more um, intensive process. Mm -hmm. So 
our committee, um, we started working in like February. Uh, we literally just printed out the, the contract and went page by page um, to start looking at the things that maybe we wanted to address at the table. Uh, we also do a survey, a bargaining survey of all of the residents that we represent at UNM and just kind of ask them what their priorities are. So what they want us to be fighting for at the table. Um, you know, unsurprisingly, it's usually salary. It's usually vacation. Um, but, you know, in other places, uh, housing costs, changes to insurance, childcare, all that stuff um, can be brought up. And then based on that, we start drafting our proposals um, and meet with the universities to start negotiating. Um, this process, especially this year, has been especially slow. Mm. So we've brought, you know, multiple options to the table. Um, and salary, of course, has been a huge piece for us. Um, you know, at UNM, we're about 8% behind the average pay for for residents in the Southwest region. Um, and then we don't... And, and where, have, does re where does the region sit compared to national? Um, I think it's pretty comparable. Obviously, places like California and New York aren't, aren't, aren't going to be comparable just because right. the cost of living there is so much higher. Right. Um, but, but overall, we're we're about 8% behind our peers in the Southwest. Okay. Um, and then we don't, we don't get things like a housing stipend or relocation costs or childcare benefits, which some other institutions do offer. Nice. Um, so essentially, you know, leading up to the unity break in October, we had done a lot of other activities to try and get um, the university uh, to to provide some better counters to the things that we were proposing mm -hmm. wasn't really working. Um, another unique thing about New Mexico is that as state employees, we can't strike. Um, and so that is just kind of off the table. Mm. But residents, um, I think the frustration with the institution and with bargaining and with some of the, the treatment that they've experienced over the years that has just been growing and, and people really wanted an avenue to, to show that um, and to just communicate with the larger community um, what's been going on with bargaining behind the scenes. So uh, we opted for the unity break. Um, it was not a strike. <laughs> Um, it was, you know, a brief opportunity for everyone to kind of gather and speak and share um, our experience and our desires and demands from the institution. Um, obviously, you know, that takes quite a bit of effort to coordinate, um, which is where the national organization is really helpful. They flew in several staff people, um, including, you know, communications folks to help with the news coverage um, to help with speech writing. Um, we also had several of our public supporters, um, so some commissioners and state electeds who came. Um, and then, of course, communicating with residents um, and coordinating all of that and communicating with the institution um, to, to be successful was all a huge part of the, the organization's work. Um, but really, I think, you know, the turnout that we had, I think we estimated about 160 people came, many of whom were residents, uh, I think kind of speaks for itself that it was very much 
uh, a moment and an event that people were ready for uh, because of their general sentiment around how bargaining and how treatment of residents uh, has been going at UNM. That's amazing. I mean, it's 160 of what, 700 residence fellows, um, pretty pretty significant numbers. Yeah. Especially in the, you know, the middle of a work day at the hospital. Um, so that takes a lot of coordinating to make sure that patients are, are being cared for that, you know, duties aren't being neglected. Um, but that people are still able to show up and, and voice, voice their demands. And I, I really want to emphasize that point of how seriously as healthcare providers, we take that responsibility and obligation to our patients, right? To, for us to stop working even, I mean, these are folks who eat on the go, avoid or delay bathroom breaks, right? Every minute counts in terms of our personal wellness and our and what we put into our patient care duties. And so for you all to take a break and coordinate like that has got to be incredibly complex across all the amazing services that you deliver um, all the service lines that, you know, you are the lifeblood of. Um, so kudos to you for that level of coordination and that level of engagement speaks volumes to how active a chapter, uh, you have. And tell me about a little bit of the delineation or maybe just explore briefly. Um, striking is just such a, a, a loaded, uh, concept for us, particularly as pertains to the ethics of patient care. Can you go into a little bit about that and how the organization views, you know, uh, collective, um, you know, striking as a as a tool? Or yeah, so I think in general, um, striking is really a tool of last resort. Right. Um, so striking is is in most people's mind really the last option when all other, you know, opportunities and tools have been exhausted. Um, yeah. And workers don't feel like they're being listened to uh, or their, you know, requests are being taken seriously. Um, I think that's especially true in medicine, right? Where, like you said, people's lives and wellness is truly on the line. So for us as a healthcare person to decide um, to to take that vote, um, it's pretty, pretty serious. Yeah. The national level, um, we have actually had several chapters in 2023 move to vote on strike. And we had one chapter in New York that actually went on strike. Um, and so, again, you know, for many of those places, they've been bargaining for months to, yeah. to years in some situations. Um, and in many of those situations, right, leadership doesn't even come to bargaining um, or, you know, the proposals or responses that they're providing are pretty abysmal. Um, and, and so I think when we get to that point, it's, it's truly a, a decision of kind of last resort. Um, and, and we've tried everything else to get people's attention and, and to make our, our demands known and don't feel like that's actually happening. So now, did the unity break achieve, um, intended purposes and kind of, Re re-energize negotiations? Not really. Um, it did to some extent. I think what it did, and this was also part of the reason that we did it, right, is is to make the public aware of 
of what residents do and what our lives are like. You yeah. know, I don't think most people understand how much we work and how little we're paid, right. <laughs> um, how much debt we have yep. uh, and how, you know, many of us are at these kind of crucial points in our, in our own lives, you know, professionally and otherwise. And so doing things like putting down roots and starting families um, is something that many people want to do in residency, but often can't afford um, because of how much we work and how little we're paid. Right. And so I think even though movement at the table wasn't as aggressive after the break as we maybe had hoped, uh, I do think the public attention and, and sort of enter education around the lives and, and um, needs of residents certainly has increased. Um, and I do feel like, uh, particularly with some of our elected officials and some of the political work that we've been doing, it really elevated that. Great. Which I do think will uh, ultimately improve our interactions with the institution in the future. Um, so we have a legislative session coming up here soon um, and a huge topic for us always, but I think also for UNM this year will be resident pay. And I think a big part of that was the unity break and all of all of the efforts that we've been putting in to make that um, more known at that level. I think you, you can't discount how much, how important that is, that publicity, um, attention to just educating the public. What is a resident? How do they fit into the healthcare system? Because we have all this momentum. There's so many organizations now calling for increased investment in healthcare, public health, and our training institutions. And so educating folks about what it goes in to grow a physician is um, just so needed. And all the ways that you contribute to um, stewarding the, the care of, of, of the state um, so I hope we can, again, keep that momentum building forward. Um, what, uh, what do you see in terms of what you've learned about yourself through this work? How mm -hmm. has been a physician empowered you as a union leader, vice versa? How do you intend to keep this going forward in your career? Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, anytime you're in a leadership position, um, you have to do a lot of, of reflecting on why you're doing that and what you hope to achieve. And I feel like my, really my biggest role um, and challenge is, is really listening to the people around me um, and letting that kind of guide the decisions that I make at the national level um, and at the local level. And I think CIR, um, you know, my fellow RVPs, but also the local leaders um, are really invested in that um, in, you know, obviously fighting for ourselves, but also recognizing that, you know, turnover in a resident union is pretty high. Um, the longest that most people will be there is maybe seven years. And so a lot of the work that we're doing isn't for us, right? It's for the people who are coming up behind us. Um, and we have to be grateful for all the things that we currently have that came from the people ahead of us. So, um, so I think that's really humbling. And also, um, it makes the work a lot easier too um, to sort of recognize that this is this isn't about me, right? It's about my my peers and my colleagues and my um, future co workers um, in New Mexico and in the medical space. And so, um, 
even though it's challenging, right? And it can be intimidating, like working with the administrators and taking on some of this public stuff. Um, it's much easier knowing that that's who it's for. What has been your experience in helping to engage your peers um, in the advocacy realm? And what do you think we need to do to better amplify physician voices in you know, all, all layers of uh, decision-making as pertains to health, right? Yeah. Um, we're notoriously not at the tables we need to be at. We are <laughs> not uh, always sought. Uh, we often are the victims of a lot of decision-making rather than at the table. How do we help change that? Well, I mean, I think this generation, right, the generations that are coming, that perspective is certainly changing. I think the interest in in union participation and having a, a say and in, in working conditions is changing. You know, I think I think the idea of unions for physicians is still kind of new. Um I think, you know, for a lot of folks, they're used to being employed by themselves and being the decision makers, right? But that's obviously changed. Um, and I think a lot of the burnout and the other, you know, kind of difficulties in medicine are associated with that shift. Um, so, you know, my hope is that, you know, there still is a lot of resistance uh, behind the idea of like unions and the physician space. Um, and my hope is that that will change. And I think it will, particularly as, you know, our current trainees and residents um, who are part of unions and who are excited to be in this movement move into, uh, you know, attending roles and, and leadership. Um, I also think as physicians, you know, we are often used to being the ones calling the shots and, and being in charge. And, you know, healthcare is a team sport. Um, and so I think, you know, being in the union, we have a coalition of unions with the other people who truly make the hospital function uh, and being able to support them in their asks and, and needs when it comes to, to bargaining for their own working conditions is really powerful. Um, and so I think being able to step back sometimes and allow those individuals to step forward and supporting them in doing so is really important. Now, as you finish up as a fellow, uh, may I ask what your, your career plans uh, look like and how yeah. advocacy or organizing may fit into your future, if any way? Yeah, um, I'm still figuring that out. Um, I So doing addiction, my hope is to do a combination of addiction and primary care and possibly some hospital medicine. Um, for now, I intend to stay around Albuquerque for a couple of years and then long term would really like to return to my hometown of Taos. All right. um, yeah. And I think in terms of advocacy, um, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I think part of that will probably be determined by where I end up job wise. Um, you know, I've applied at UNM. And so there's, I think, lots of opportunity there to continue supporting residents and other kind of unionized groups. Um, but I also, I, I guess I want to be careful about over committing myself um, after so much time and training um, and really kind of allowing myself to let that unfold. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> currently trying to figure out how to have free time again. <laughs> Very yeah. prudent, Dr. Nineman. It's uh, <laughs> notorious of us to just keep burning that wick on both ends. And I hope that you can 
find a great balance. You deserve it after all this hard, hard work. And you. like you said, paying it forward to, uh, to the next generation and you'll leave quite a legacy there. Um, anything you think are high priorities for our state in terms of what, um, you know, what we can accomplish in the next couple seasons legislatively or opportunities to improve, um, our training in the state or what, what do you see as our highest priorities? Well, I think, you know, and this is something the union has really been advocating for. New Mexico has already a pretty um, difficult uh, issue in terms of access to providers. And I think that shortage of physicians is projected to just continue to get worse. And so recruitment and retention of physicians for the state is a huge deal. Um, I think residents are often overlooked as a potential you know, solution to that. Obviously not the whole solution, but part of it. Uh, and I think how people experience training has a huge impact on their desire to stay once training is done. Um, you know, in New Mexico, um, I think the resident retention rate after graduation is in like the 30s. It's like 30%. Nationally, it's closer to like 50 to 60%. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a lot of room for us to make changes to make residents experience here better so that we can get that number closer to the national average um, and keep the people that we're training um, here. Uh, and I, and I, I hope, and I, I do think that that, that attitude is, is shifting, but I hope that, um, you know, leaders in various spaces, UNM, the state, the community, um, we'll recognize that and continue to work on it for years to come. I've heard a lot of uh, movements in the last couple sessions uh, towards recruitment and retention. I think a lot of lawmakers focused on that because it, it truly affects every community, right? And mm-hmm. uh, they truly representing their constituencies, they need to be working in this, this sphere. So um, I, I agree with you. Now, um, as we finish up here, any any advice to people who are going to walk into your footsteps, aspiring uh, healthcare professionals, residents um, who may be listening to the podcast and kind of maybe trying to think about their role as advocates? Yeah. Well, I think obviously if there's a union available, wherever it is you end up, join it. Um the unions truly are only as strong as the people who who make them. And it, it's really a, an amazing avenue to, A, meet colleagues. You know, as a resident in family medicine, I now have peers that I know super well across multiple departments. Um, and that's been really rewarding for me. Um but it also is, you know, a unique opportunity to actually have a say in, in the things that impact our day-to-day lives. Um, I also think, you know, even if you don't have a union, um, forming relationships with your colleagues across the institution um, so that you can tackle issues together. Um, you know, the union has kind of one avenue that we're um, focused on, but we work you know, with residents and resident senate um, in our various departments to also kind of agitate and and expand on on the ways that we can support people in in their various um, training experiences, and and I think that's possible even in places where there isn't a union. Um, 
And then I think in terms of, you know, patient advocacy, which is another thing the union takes very seriously, um, there are always opportunities to make things better, even if it's tiny. Um, we have a patient care fund that CIR um, manages, and you know we are in the process of getting birthing balls uh, for the labor and delivery department so that they'll have a dedicated birthing ball for every room. And it's not a huge project, right? But right. it impacts patient care, and that's awesome. So I think there's always opportunities to make our workspaces better. Um, and if you have a union, join it. I would echo Dr. Nineman's advice. I think uh, so many ways to advocate that we don't traditionally think of, even as an employed physician, right? There's so many committees at work in each hospital. There's so many ways to advocate, um, whether it's sustainability in healthcare or quality improvement and peer regulation, so many ways to help um, multiply and, and uh, expand the work. Um, and so, Join your professional societies, figure out who's who's lobbying. Um, there's so many ways to get involved. Um, well, Dr. Miniman, we really appreciated this very enlightening uh, podcast. Union Physicians unionizing is getting a lot more national attention. So this is a really cool opportunity for us to help spread the word and familiarity and the legacy that we have in New Mexico, which is very rich beyond what I knew. So. Um, Thank you for your incredible work there and uh, your intention to stay and <laughs> practice in New Mexico. And uh, we're so glad that you can't, decided to come home and uh, sounds like you've had an amazing impact, a great education. That's an awesome fellowship you are doing. Dr. Correjo is just a superstar and uh, yeah, can't wait to see where you land and uh, how your career unfolds. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure to chat uh, and thanks to all of our listeners I wish everyone a happy new year and, and uh, yeah happy 2024 as we conclude this enlightening episode of Puentes we'd like to note that several weeks after this episode was recorded there was a major advancement in negotiations between UNM and the resident physicians Rachel Nass communications coordinator of the committee of interns and residents provided the following statement on Tuesday, January 23rd, UNM resident physicians unanimously ratified their new contract, which includes 5% raises for 2024. This is a significant win for CIR after months of grueling negotiations, but the physicians say much more is needed to make their salaries competitive with other programs in order to address the state's physician shortage crisis. As they prepare to negotiate their 2025 contract, the physicians are already fighting to ensure they receive a one-time fund of $3.4 million that UNM Health System CEO Dr. Douglas Zidonis requested from the state legislature in December. We'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you to Dr. Alexandra Nineman for joining us today. Her dedication and that of the CIR-SEIU to improving working conditions for resident physicians and healthcare for all New Mexicans is deeply appreciated. For more information about the Committee of Interns and Residents, details can be found at CIRSEIU.org. Puentes is proudly produced by the New Mexico Primary Care Training Consortium. To learn more about the NMPCTC, we invite you to visit our website at NewMexicoResidencies.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at NMPCTC. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to build and strengthen the bridges of primary care in New Mexico. This is Puentes.